Well, my brothers and sisters, this past week, very many developments have taken place in the life of the church that are extremely significant, and I think I, I would be uh, irresponsible not to not to at least touch upon them. In in light of all the the hoopla that's taking place in the media, I think what I really want to say, like the main message here for today, is that it's really important now more than ever to maintain unity with each other. Unity in, in love and unity in truth, both love and truth. And that's those are those are the grounds of unity. We we absolutely need to maintain unity in, in both of those things. You know, if you look at the gospel passage today, we see Jesus in conflict with the Pharisees, and that, that's part of the course. If you look at all of the first three gospels, especially, and the fourth as well, but especially the first three, he's in constant conflict with this particular group, this this party within Judaism called the Pharisees. And uh, there's substantive disagreement going on between Jesus and the Pharisees. But you know, it's interesting, it, it wasn't actually the Pharisees that brought Jesus uh, to the cross, that got him killed. Okay? It was actually the Sadducees. And it was the high priest, and then he was a member, the high priest was a member of the Sadducees, so it was really the Sadducees that killed Jesus. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting and strange, because all throughout the Gospel, Jesus is in conflict with the Pharisees, and then suddenly at the very end, it's the Sadducees that plot his death and, and carried out. Okay? And uh, what we're looking at here are these two different parties within Judaism, okay? And uh, they were at odds with each other. The only thing they had in common is that they both hated Jesus, okay? But they were engaged constantly in party politics. It was the Sadducees versus the Pharisees on almost any kind of issue or topic that you could imagine. And yet the nation of Israel, the people of God at that time... The supreme ruling body was called the Sanhedrin, and it, I think it had about 70 seats. It's sort of like a, a senate for the nation of Israel. And those 70 seats were occupied by both Pharisees and Sadducees. Okay, so these are the leaders of Israel, but they're at war with each other, at odds with each other. They had very significant disagreements with each other. In fact, the Pharisees, they believed that at the end of time, there would be a, a general resurrection of the dead. And the Sadducees denied that. And that's a significant difference in their beliefs. And so they were really just two different factions, two different parties, waging war against each other constantly. In the Old Testament dispensation, when God's word needed to come into the midst of this humans bickering with each other, he sent a prophet. Okay? And so that's how you know it was just human wisdom that was going on here, is that disagreement, that division that took place. And so when God had to speak, he sent a prophet into their midst. And that's how he communicated to his people. Now, Jesus is the summation of all the prophets. And so when he came, he essentially said, no more of this. And the religion and the church that he established is unified in faith. In the word of truth, we hear in our second reading from St. James, mention of the word of truth. The word of truth. 
and the religion that's pure and undefiled, the religion that Christ came to establish, it's not divided. There are no power politics or parties within the one holy Catholic Church of God. I say all this to say I want to put out a warning right now because after the past week and all the developments that have taken place in the life of the church, and I'll just give you a little summation here if you're not aware, a week ago last Sunday, uh, an archbishop who was the basically the ambassador on behalf of the Vatican in America for a certain number of years, very, very high-ranking official. He's a guy that actually had oversight over all the American bishops, and he had a lot to do with the, the placement of bishops, so a very, very high-ranking official in the church. Um, he published a testimony wherein he basically said he made claims that there were a number of people who, at the highest levels of the church, including the Holy Father himself, were involved in basically sweeping under the carpet all the shenanigans and the bad history of Cardinal McCarrick. Okay. Very, very significant, serious claims being made by this guy. So in any event, what's happened, uh, unfolded over the past week, is there's been a media narrative that's been sculpted, and all the major media outlets are basically parroting this particular story, and it goes like this. Well, all of this stuff you're looking at in the Catholic Church right now is, is just power politics. It's just conservative Catholics going after liberal Catholics, and liberal Catholics going after conservative Catholics, and it's just power politics within the Catholic Church. That's the media narrative. And what I'm saying to you is we need to be very, very careful not get distracted by that narrative. It's a false narrative. That's not the truth of the matter. Okay? Ultimately, my brothers and sisters, there's really no such thing as a conservative Catholic. There's really no such thing as a liberal Catholic. There's only an obedient Catholic. A Catholic who gives unqualified assent, the assent of faith, to the word of truth that Jesus Christ deposited in the church and that has been transmitted across the ages. That's really ultimately the only kind of Catholic there is. Now, as a matter of speech, if you want to, if you want to say, you know, you know, as a matter of speaking, you kind of got two things going on here. And in fact, our second reading in, in St. James very interestingly touches upon them. It was our prayer meditation. He says, religion that's pure and undefiled before God uh, is this, that one take care of widows and orphans in their distress and keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay? In common speech today, you hear, you know, a liberal Catholic They'll focus, the, the, the mindset of the idea here is that they focus on the social doctrine of the church. Um, taking care of those who are marginalized, those who are uh, weak and without power and without voice, poor, uh, immigrants, so forth and so on. This is the social doctrine of the church. And, uh, you know, so, so the liberal Catholics always focus on this. All right, now on the other hand, you have issues that have to do with life. Life issues, abortion is a major issue, and then and sexual chastity, sexual purity and chastity. Okay, and these are the issues that the conservative Catholics are supposed to be worried about. Saint James doesn't play that game. 
Notice, he says the religion that's true, the religion that, that Christ came to establish, encompasses both taking care of the widows and the orphans and the weak and the marginalized, but also keeping oneself unstained from the world and being wary that the devil is afoot and wants to corrupt our personal morality and personal integrity. Both of those things are true. St. James will, will countenance no division whatsoever in the church. Now, if you want to, again, as a, as a matter of speech, if you want to say, well, liberal, conservative, in terms of how much emphasis is laid upon these particular doctrines of the church, okay, that's fine. It's said that, you know, the Holy, current Holy Father, Pope Francis, is more liberal than the previous Pope, Pope Benedict. Okay, I don't know if that's exactly true, but if you, what you mean by that is maybe Pope Francis emphasizes a little bit more the social doctrine of the church over against the, the, that other set of issues. That's possible. Maybe he gives a little bit more airtime. Okay. But at the end of the day, the last analysis, there is no division. There is no such a thing as a conservative and a liberal Catholic. There's only a Catholic who adheres with a clear conscience to the one deposit of the word of truth. And the truth is really what matters in this situation that we've been looking at unfolding over the past week. In your bulletins, I included a publication from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. I personally think it's a very good statement. It was put out immediately after the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania's report okay, on all the horrendous stuff that they had uncovered. And uh, it's not full, why I think it's good is because it's not full of uh, bishops with crocodile teal tears, you know, going through their thesauruses, trying to find adjectives to describe their, their, their negative feelings. But it, it's got concrete action plans, okay? There's a three-point action plan. Bishop DiNardo is the president of the USCCB. He says, this is, what we, this is what we want to do. Boom, boom, boom. And the first point of order is to actually examine the case of Cardinal McCarrick, okay? Now, I'm going to speak negatively about Cardinal McCarrick, but it's understood that these, these this bad things about him are well substantiated, so I'm not just, these are not just random accusations that, I'm, that are flying out here. Cardinal McCarrick is a very, very shady, very slimy character. And uh, we want to know how in the world did he actually get himself into the cardinalate? How is that possible? And that's what the USCCB wants to investigate. Well, lo and behold, it was only last Sunday when Archbishop Vigano published his testimony saying not only were other people at the lower level of the ladder covering up for McCarrick, but people at the top of the ladder were as well, and perhaps even the Holy Father himself. I, wanted, I can't emphasize enough how significant this is in the life and history of the Church. It's been about 500 years since the last pope's ethical integrity was called into question. 500 years. Very, very serious issue. And uh, we need to approach this with great sobriety and above all with a passion for the truth and not get distracted by the media story of, oh, this is just power politics within the church. Um, Bishop Barron made a statement right after Vigano's testimony came out, and I think Bishop Barron has the, has the best take on this. I would advise you to kind of listen to him and follow him. He basically said this, look, 
Okay, in response to Vigano's letter, if you were to ask me two weeks ago when the Pennsylvania report came out, when the when the charges against McCarrick came out, that's another that's the third issue, when the charges against McCarrick came out, if you were to ask me what we were to do in terms of this commission of people who were going to investigate him, I'd say, well, we need to interview uh, a certain number of people. And he says, on my short list would have been Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, the very guy who has just published his testimony. This guy was really high up there and was involved in the appointment of American bishops and overseeing all the American bishops. He's in a place to potentially know what he's talking about. And so Bishop Barron continues on. He says, well, the fact that he's come forward now with a statement, I'd say, okay, fair enough. He's made his testimony. Now, do we buy it hook, line, and sinker? Well, no. I mean, as I read the document, there were things that seemed highly speculative, some things that seemed very driven by emotion. Uh, other things seemed far more substantive and specific, and at least as he claims, tied into documentation. Worth looking at? Yeah, you bet. This is not some minor player. This is the former apostolic nuncio to the U.S. He's making some serious claims. Look into them. Let's take an honest, objective look into what's being claimed here. You see, finally, the question that matters here is, what's the truth? Let this group we're talking about, Vatican-sponsored, largely lay-led, People skilled in forensic investigation have them look into these claims. And then I think we'll get the best access to what the truth is. And then also, right after Vigano's testimony, again, the United States bishops published a statement, and they said, uh, Donardo speaking on their behalf, said, I call for an, um, on August 16th, I call for an apostolic visitation working in concert with the National Lay Commission granted independent authority to seek the truth. Yesterday, I convened our executive committee once again and it reaffirmed the call for a prompt and thorough examination into how the grave moral failings of a brother bishop, meaning McCarrick, could have been tolerated for so long and proven no impediment to his advancement. The recent letter of Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano brings particular focus and urgency to this examination. The questions raised deserve answers that are conclusive. So it's no longer rumors, but conclusive answers based on evidence. And without those answers, innocent men may be tainted by false accusation, and the guilty may be left to repeat the sins of the past. And we'll have more victims on our hands. And he goes on, he's very respectful of the Holy Father. Very, very respectful. And so these are claims, okay, and they're not necessarily proven at this point, but they're significant, and they should be looked into. And uh, there's no one who has more authority than the Pope, and there's no one who is his equal. The only way that this commission put together by the American bishops and American lay people is going to have any ability to do their job is if the Holy Father himself, in accordance with his conscience, cooperates. It's the only way it's going to happen. Okay? And so we need to pray that the truth of the matter comes out. Because at the end of the day, we as Catholic Christians 
are people of the word of truth. It's not my church, it's not your church, it's not the church of the liberals, it's not the church of the conservatives, it's not even Pope Francis's church. It's the church of Jesus Christ, and it is the bearer of the religion that he established. It is the bearer of the word of truth. And only truth is going to be able to help us in this situation and set us free. So this is a very critical time in, in, our, in the life of our community, worldwide Catholic community. Let's pray. Okay, and let's stick together and maintain unity and not do this thing where we're liberals versus conservatives or whatever. Let's together pray that the truth is found for the purification and the healing of the Holy Catholic faith.